Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Aging Journey Podcast, where we go back in time to the 80s and 90s by playing role-playing games in a variety of systems. I am Tanya. I am the GM, also known as Lashia Games. I'm an age researcher, a social worker, and a tabletop RPG GM. And my games are themed around the complexities of growing up and the concept of time. So an initiative I strongly believe in is the Reframing Aging Initiative. Um, You can check them out at reframingaging.org. And so this podcast is hopefully going to allow us to relive some experiences through fantasy and hopefully change the way we think about age and aging. So today we are delving into a discussion about my promo where I tell a story about a game I played with my family many years ago and then I ended it with the question, now what does this story have to do with age and radical social work? Well, welcome to the journey. Let's hop into the time machine. Okay, so a little bit about moi. So I am currently 34. This is, I'm recording this in February. My birthday is in June, so I'm currently 34, but I'll be 35 this year. And I am a PhD student studying age and aging culture, particularly in the context of like all of the things we love about life and society and how it is inherently broken because our system is highly inequitable. But the what I have always considered to be a you know, a common denominator um, among all humans is that we are all have this one thing in common. We are all aging. I'm aging. You're aging. We're all aging. And to me, this doesn't just extend to old age. Uh, the United States has been, you know, really compartmentalizing basic human rights for as long as laws were started to be written on parchment. So your rights aren't just dissected and analyzed and coded based on your gender and race. It's also based on your age. So if you are a fan of uh, the game of poker, you will be familiar with the saying, um, the house always wins. This is also really popular if you are familiar with like casinos and gambling. Uh, I lived in Vegas for a while, while, so I'm familiar. Essentially, it has a whole colloquial definition but how I define it is that regardless of how smart you play the game the people running the game will always take the biggest pot because even though you may win some of the time most of the time you're losing therefore the house is only getting stronger by enticing people to come and at least try knowing that they will most of the time lose they're essentially taking everything from pretty much everyone and just giving a few that short moment of ha I won you didn't really you won for that moment at that time and you were honestly allowed to win because you are small fish so this podcast it's kind of organized to relive experiences from childhood and adolescence and adulthood particularly looking at the transitions between adolescence or teenage years to adulthood to mid-adulthood to older adulthood so let's talk about why at 34 years old I started this podcast. I believe I was 19. I believe I want to say I was 19. 
we're gonna go with 19 i think it was either 19 or 20 one of those but this was the first time i realized things about complacency and obnoxiousness <laughs> and not really being present and kind of realizing that all in a in a strange story about this time I played a poker game. I'd make the biggest fanciest charcuterie board, watch Dick Clark drop the ball. Um, then it turned into Ryan Seacrest and then Steve Harvey, I think. Uh, but you know, nowadays I don't stay up past 10:30, so I don't know who's doing the countdown these days. But regardless regardless of who was on TV. The tradition was the same. My mom would cut little pieces of cheese and uh, we would put them on a little charcuterie board and then she would also create confetti out of paper, rip it up and put it in a shoebox. We'd uh, all have like some finger foods mostly. We wouldn't have like a full dinner and we would just have like spinach artichoke dip and weenies and barbecue sauce and cheese and ham rolls and deviled eggs. Way too much food because there were like four of us. <laughs> but in between eating and catching up with the family because at that time I was I was living across the country in Indiana in my dorm but we would all sit around the TV eating our little nibblings and watch you know people freeze on the streets of New York there was always a time we would start to play games so I had introduced my family to poker and I was pretty confident about my abilities because I had been playing for a couple of years now and I taught them how to play and they picked up, well, when I say they, I say my brother. When he picked up the game fairly well, but I was still like queen. You know what I mean? Like I, I was still winning games like consistently. So uh, I was pretty proud of myself. But I think at that point I was undefeated in the, in the family New Year's poker game. Uh, obviously I had gotten myself beat many times uh, playing poker uh, with other people. Because that actually wasn't that good. <laughs> I was just good at in family poker games, <laughs> which was the, what was most important. The time came when I could unpack my $20 poker set from Walmart. You know the one. I would also make like little cheat sheets for everyone so that they could see like what beat what. And then finally, we would just play the game. It'd be me, my mom, my dad, and my brother, four of us. We'd all be full of like cheese and Welch's sparkling juice because this is what you drink at a New Year's party when no one in your family drinks alcohol. And I'm sitting there staring like daggers at my brother from across the table. My dad's playing, but he's he had folded his hand like two rounds ago. And both me and my brother both have our hands. We're hardcore trying to bluff the other person regardless of honestly what's in our hand I know that I have uh, a two pair and I know that he probably only has a high card my, bro my brother notoriously bluffs like over bluffs it was ridiculous and uh, don't forget that also my mother is playing uh, except she's like bouncing up and down and, and giggling um, holding her cards so Unfortunately, my mother's idea of uh, bluffing is non-existent. So my brother and I are pretty sure she doesn't have anything because she just likes playing games with us. You know, she's having fun um, and she's not really competition. So at this point, we have upped the ante, right? Me and my brother, we've upped the ante to all in. I push my entire pile into the middle. He pushes his entire pile into the middle, right? <laughs> and then my mother starts to push her whole pile into the middle. And we're like, no, no, no. It's not. No, you keep your chips. <laughs> not necessary. So my brother is convinced he has a winning hand. I know he doesn't. 
he almost never does and I'm just thinking my head over here like another easy win I I'm just racking them up at the family poker game (laughs) all fun but in some ways this taught me a lesson nonetheless because I slapped my cards onto the table right my brother slaps his cards down we both look at the cards we both have two pair but mine is higher and I'm like yes (laughs) and I'm about to like grab my winnings when my mother who's sitting next to us slaps down her cards and it's a straight flush my brother and I are shooketh our own mother and she she certainly did put both of her hands into the pile and just scooped up all of our chips even we didn't even (laughs) we didn't even make her put in her chips and she took all of our chips what's interesting about this story it is very very amusing and it makes me laugh and makes me happy because those are beautiful memories for me but what's crazy about this story and what's interesting about this story is that my mother had no stake in the game she wasn't playing to win she didn't really care about the chips (laughs) she's just there to have fun and if she won she won but me and my brother we were at the point where we didn't even require our mom to add to the ante you know, didn't really take anything that was in her hands very seriously. And so we became complacent and arrogant that we would always win, particularly me, because I was on a bit of a winning streak. Now, again, in context, I don't, I didn't win every poker game I ever played just at that game. But as I think back on that time, and this was, this became a tradition that I kind of started and it became a tradition that we continue to do until about two years ago when my father passed away. And as of then, we haven't been able or I haven't hosted a poker game. So thinking back on this, I actually kind of regret not doing a poker game. We we still got together for holidays, but I really regret not doing a poker game at least this year. Um, it's February right now and I could have done one in January because I, I was reminded why I started that tradition in the first place. It was to have these memories later in life, you know, grief comes in different waves and everyone grieves differently. So I wasn't ready last year to celebrate anything. And perhaps this year I wasn't either, but now I do sort of regret that I wasn't able to do that. and. I, after like telling myself this story um, and now telling it again to you guys, I swear every time I like repeat it and every time I say it, I get more and more happy remembering it. And I'm like, man, really wish I had some memories from this year about us playing poker. Thinking back on that really makes me want to move forward in my own aging journey and changing the way I I think about what makes me happy. I, I tend to forget the things that make me happy much, much quicker than I forget the things that make me sad. And I want to move forward doing that for myself. This also reminded me of the whole saying of the house always wins and like gambling and how 
at 19, I wasn't particularly active in any type of thing, like in activism, in government. And um, at the time I was studying to be in a cultural anthropologist. I had no interest in social service or national service. And, and now, of course, I have done all of those things and I am now a researcher and a social worker. So clearly something changed, but I would not have attributed the change that I made later in life to a lesson that I now realize I, I learned at this point, because at that time, I didn't really see it that way. I think it became more of a subconscious lesson that I later was able to dissect as I grew and I learned more and I became the person I am today. And so then when I started to think to myself, you know, when they ask you the question, um, if you're an academic <laughs> or if you work um, in like some sort of organization where they ask you that the same three questions of like, why are you here? Like, why did you decide to go into this, you know, field? Why did you decide to, to go into this research? If they ask you that like all the time, I, I find myself thinking of different examples every time. And recently, the last time I was asked, I found myself thinking of examples way before I thought I had made the decision to go into this field. At some point now, I start to think of, well, actually, there was this one time where I had this one experience that now that I think about it, I really learned something there. And I wonder if that had anything to do with eventually like compounding experiences that eventually led me to make decisions to go into social work and then eventually went into age in writing this up again and then reflecting on how I could live my life better based on honestly lessons I had learned so long ago that I think I had forgotten them but they still had taught me something I say all that to say Memories are amazing. And I personally truly believe that they are the driving force for who you were, are, and who you will be. And then I also think that we all have memories we believe contribute to how we perceive age and aging and the transitions that we've gone through, as well as like our ideologies as we get older. This was just one of mine. That's what this podcast is really about. It's really all of us having a conversation about some of our most amazing life experiences, but in the world of role play. So this is just a short little reminder before I get into the rest of the uh, episode that you can support the podcast by following us on your favorite podcast platforms or give me your input on topics or engage on any of my social media platforms, Twitter and YouTube, I am Lishia Games. Now let's move on. If you think back today about something from, you know, your adolescence or young adulthood, how did you think about aging then? How do you think about aging now? And, and what do you want to learn from that? Because I didn't think I was going to learn anything by telling that story, to be honest. I just thought of it when someone asked me that question of like why I decided to go to this field. And it was the first time I'd thought about that since my dad passed. 
And I wondered why I had thought specifically about this game where, as you can tell, he's not even really in it. <laughs> he, he's already folded his hand. So I was like, why is this memory so important to me? <laughs> I had no idea. But then I remember that because it was a really happy day. It was a really great tradition that I started and that everyone was on board with and that I really enjoyed that I stopped. And that's why it came back to me. I hope you all got something from this podcast and I hope you get something from this podcast moving forward. And I hope you enjoyed my story. My memory was really what it was. I really enjoyed telling it again. And as always, I will see you guys next time.